0: Hello and welcome to episode five of the long shot podcast as always i'm your host duncan robinson and i'm here with my well-renowned co-host davis patrick reed davis how are we doing today i'm great well-renowned is an incredible compliment thank you yeah of course um I've gotten some feedback that we need to complement each other less, so we can right. we can move forward from that. Uh, the Super Bowl has commenced, and it was a tough one for your Kansas City Chiefs, to say the least.
1: So this is where we're going to start. Yeah, um, it was a tough one. It, it, so here's here's how I've come to rationalize it. It's a lesson in sports psychology. That's that's my takeaway from the game, because the bucks just looked and felt like they really believed they were going to win that game and that's the the impact of tom brady as soon as tom brady enters your locker room everyone in that organization believes that you can win a super bowl and they just went out and they got it done they were the better team it re, you know not much else to say the chiefs didn't deserve to win we were we were battered and bruised and uh you know didn't perform so i actually didn't really even get to catch the game,
0: we were flying back from New York. So missed basically the first three quarters, uh, which as many know, by that point, the game was pretty much over. But what my night did consist of was checking the score on the plane's Wi-Fi and then also periodically checking in with you and making sure that you were in good spirits, uh, considering just how things were going because it got pretty dark there for a
1: sec. Your phone calls are I think meant to be supportive, but weren't really helping. I was in a dark place. I appreciate you trying though. I think that's what matters. Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, there's something
0: obnoxious about Chiefs fans. I don't know if it's just that you guys are like such a high powered offense, but it's just like, you know, you're down in a game and it's like just the arrogance to just know that you're going to come back. And And I think it was the same this game. There was everyone was sitting waiting around. Oh no, the Chiefs are going to make a run. The Chiefs are going to make a run. And it just never happened.
1: It felt different this time. It did. It felt different. Mahomes was just running for his life the entire game. It, it, you know, we didn't score a touchdown. So, what else can you say? You can't win the Super Bowl if you're not going to score a touchdown, let alone if you're going up against Brady. So, uh, t- tip your cap to him. He's great, obviously. Uh, it's, it is what it is. We move on. We move forward. I saw that the odds for Super Bowl 22 just came out, and the Chiefs are favored, which, you know, I guess is exciting. So here we go. Road to uh, Road to 2022 Super Bowl champs. If that helps you sleep at night, um, then please lean into that fully. I, I think
0: you're spot on in that The it's so interesting, Brady, in that it's not like he's this physically dominant player. Um, and it's not like he's putting up crazy numbers either. I mean, there are multiple quarterbacks in the NFL that have better seasons than him. But you talk about somebody moving the needle from a competitive standpoint, he just amplifies the locker room and instills confidence across everybody to the point where you just feel like you have a chance. I'm sure if, if he's in your locker room, I mean, I've, I've experienced it um, to an extent with, with Jimmy, you know, when he's in our locker room, particularly in the playoffs, when he's in our locker room, everyone's looking around like we got a chance because we got that guy. Um, so I, I I can relate to that to some extent, but you know you're talking about the the greatest of all time. I think it's undisputed at this point. So uh, the the level in which he does that is incredible.
1: Yeah, I agree, and you're right again. Just the power of believing that you can win, which is which is special. Here's a segue for you: believing you can win. The Miami Heat are coming off their uh, first back-to-back series sweep of the season. So we're recording this. On Wednesday, you guys yesterday just beat the Knicks uh, twice for your first sweep of the season. Uh, how's that feel? Also, I'm curious with these with the new schedule in the NBA, you guys are playing these back to back like little mini series. What is that like? Like, are you making adjustments? I assume after game one, after night one, is it feel like a a very light version of a playoff series, like a little mini uh, playoff series? Yeah, there's definitely
0: shades of, of playoffs. I will say last night in particular felt like a playoff game. Um, with only two thousand people in American Airlines, the intensity was real. Um, two teams, like you said, you know, once you get to to the seventh consecutive quarter of playing against each other, you're very familiar with what your opponent is gonna do. And as you referenced with a playoff series, adjustments become key. You know, how you win game one in that little mini series is not going to necessarily how you win game two. In fact, it's, you're going to have to find a, a different way to win because especially, you know, two really good coaches, there's going to be adjustments and nobody's going to get beat the same way twice. Um, so yeah, it was uh, definitely good to get those two. Um, playing in, in the garden without fans is surreal, just kind of weird, eerie feeling. Um, but nonetheless, it's still the Mecca. So it's, it's
1: fun to be there and also, as always, it's, it's great to get a win there. So you guys played them on Sunday and then again on Tuesday and Tuesday they had D Rose. So they, the, the D Rose trade happened right after you guys played them the first time I, I went and looked at his stats. You forget that that guy is still an incredibly good basketball player. He's averaged 18 a game over the last two years, shooting over 50% from the field uh what was it like you guys played him earlier this year in detroit but he was great uh yesterday he just sees you
0: know he's he's such a veteran um has seen so much and has seen so many different defenses and just has an understanding of how to be effective you know obviously he doesn't have the explosives like explosiveness that he once had you know in his mvp season before maybe some of the injuries but make no mistake he is a Really, really good basketball player still, uh, and and we obviously saw last night he was a huge spark for them um, off the bench and just made it really really tough on on us. I think you know they were certainly it seemed uh, a better you know more well functioning team with him on the floor. Just in in my opinion, or at least what it, that's what it felt like. So uh, you know it's it's always surreal for me to be playing against guys like that that I, I grew up watching mixtapes of and highlights of and all sorts of different stuff um so yeah it's it's uh i'm happy for him that he's in a a new situation uh or at least i'm I'm assuming that he's excited about that so uh
1: definitely happy for him didn't you tell him earlier this year that you grew up watching his mixtapes did that happen on court i think you've told me a story like that yeah this was uh when he was with detroit still I got
0: caught on a switch with him, and he went to his kind of like in and out pull up or whatever. And I actually I got to stop. I, I blocked it uh, partially. Whoa. Yeah, we secured secured the ball, went the other way, and there was a, a dead ball, a free throw. We were at the line, and he came up to me and he was like, "Man, Duncan, you must have been watching all my all my game film. You know my moves." And I I just kind of laughed. I was like, man, I've been watching your game film and your highlights well before this year, man. Like, I I grew up watching that. And uh, he just had this moment. He was like, man, that's crazy, man. And he said to me, he's like, I'm a huge fan of your game. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. I was like, like, no, 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 no. I'm a fan of your game. There was just kind of like this little moment, the game within the game of like, that's crazy. Like, Derrick Rose you know, former youngest MVP ever, like, you know, all the accolades. Um, it was just like, wow, that's, it was definitely kind of that like aha
1: moment uh, for me. I've had a bunch of them in my career, but it was definitely one of them. Yeah, that's special. Um, I want to ask you about a text you sent in our group chat a couple of days ago.
0: Oh, wow. We're we're uh, taking private things public, it seems. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's really interesting. I, I do. I think it's, It's a genuine, honest comment that I think is fascinating to hear from a guy like you. You texted us after a game, after a game where you didn't shoot it like you wanted to, and you texted us and said, my shot feels so good right now. I would have guessed all of those were going in. You were like, it's just a matter of time before these start falling, which I think is really interesting and really powerful for you to have that mindset and confidence moving forward because, you know, to be completely frank, you haven't really had a slump in your career up to this point. And right now you're going through a little bit of one. And so for you to have that mindset where you're texting your friends afterwards, like, hey guys, my shot still feels really good. I just think, and especially a guy like you, who you function on high confidence, right? So I don't know, when I read that text, I was like, I just, I felt good about it. I wanted to get your take on that. And what you mean when you say, Man, my shot feels so good right now. And then, what it's like to deal with when it does feel good, but maybe you're not seeing the result that you expect.
0: Yeah, you know the the psychology of of shooting um, is something that still fascinates me. Um, just because I, I think the game you're talking about, I think it was New York recently, uh, where I where I went. I think I went four for ten from three, which you know is forty percent at high volume, which is considered. You know, forty percent three. You know, from three is is high level. Um, you're right in that it's. I'm incredibly hard on myself in general, but it's it's not where I want to be. But it's also like, you know, shooting is so it's it's so delicate in that if one of those goes in, one more of those goes in, and a variety of them felt great, like you said, coming off my hand. All of a sudden, I'm five of ten or six of ten. If two of them go. And that goes from oh uh, uh, gosh, I couldn't make a shot tonight to that's a high level shooting game, five to ten, six to ten from three. So it's it's so delicate. Um, and 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 you're right. There are this is a stretch right now that I'm going through, really for the first time in my career or my professional career, I should say, where I'm having difficulty, whatever it is, catching a rhythm. The ball is just not going through at, at the rate that I'm used to or I'm I've grown accustomed to um, so it's a, a big part of it with me is just continuing to take the right shots and it's not like anything feels off or feels different as weird as that may sound because I, I could go seven for ten or two for ten and I'm shooting all the right shots a lot of the shots feel the exact same and there's not this you know, great discrepancy between the actual shots themselves. So you, you try not to get caught up in, in the results. And that's an incredibly hard thing to do when your profession is so result driven in that oftentimes people are judged off of box scores and statistics and saying that you can just turn a blind eye to those things is unrealistic. So you that's like the internal battle that I think everyone deals with, but particularly right now, you know, I'm, I'm certainly dealing with, you know, I try not to be a, um, you know, just a percentage watcher where I like, I'm just obsessed with my percentage, but instead making sure I'm doing the right things to generate good shots and just take good shots within our offense. And, you know, I feel like I've been doing that and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in just keep, Keep the work the same, keep the habits the same, and and eventually, you know, water will will find its level. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, bringing up the fact that I, I haven't been shooting it great, um, but you know, you're right in that it's it's a reality. So it also doesn't make any sense to act like everything's normal and act like I'm you know shooting it great when I'm not. That's just kind of not living in reality. So uh, it's it's just all about being persistent. You know, I'm going to continue to to put in the work that I I put in, um, you know, on non game days and before games and all that sort
1: of stuff. And, uh, from there, you know, control what you can control and live with the results. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, first of all, you're welcome for, for bringing that up. I'm sure that's something you really wanted to talk about, but water always finds its level. I think that's an incredible quote, first of all, but an incredible mindset. And you talk about, and you've talked about this before, and like you just said, it's about attempts. And so I think when you think of it that way, it's easier to it's either easier to just keep it pushing and keep it moving. Uh so the other thing I wanted to ask you about is they have recently, they being the NBA, have recently made it sound like the All-Star Weekend is happening. So I know last episode we talked about how it was trending that direction. It now seems like it's pretty much a done deal. Uh and and some of the biggest guys in the league have come out and not so subtly spoken out against it thinking it's a bad idea whether it's because of load management or safety with covid i'm just curious what you what's your take on that is when you have some of your leaders in the league coming out against it is it almost like do you feel the need to jump on board and and join them or are you just sort of watching from afar like all right well we'll see what happens watching from afar i mean in in terms
0: of this conversation my opinion and point of view is generally irrelevant uh nobody's taking it into consideration uh but i I do think that those guys the you know the um year in year out all-stars they do actually have the power to to potentially move the needle with this type of stuff uh so I, i i think it's i i understand where they're coming from um i think that from what i've gathered the frustration comes from The fact that it was talked about and discussed that there wouldn't be one. And now this seems to be kind of thrown on to guys. So, you know, I think both sides have a point and I'm I'm not trying to play too much of the middle here, but I I totally understand why players feel the way they do. But I actually want to transition to another form of high level basketball content. There had been some requests on YouTube, I believe some in the comments looking for a Davis Reed High School highlight tape. And I just want to publicly address that those requests have been heard and we have something on the way. And I just want everybody to stay tuned on our YouTube channel for some Davis Reed High School highlights. And let me tell you, you're in for a treat. It is a high level of basketball. Um, I liken him to a a lefty Steve Nash, you know, floor general, really sees the floor, uh, dynamic with the ball in his hands, you know, can hurt you in a variety of ways. But I, I think that all of those comments will really come to life when you get to experience the highlight tape because it is something special we're 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 in the process of figuring out a soundtrack Uh, i'm a strong advocate for bow wow the uh what's it called (laughs) basketball by bow wow yes um so that that's what i
1: want to be the the track but um yeah stay tuned i have so many things to say uh first of all you are you are really building up anticipation for something that I'm not even sure you've seen. I think you've seen clips. I don't know if you've seen the whole mixtape. Secondly, you bring up Like Mike. I just want to quickly mention, I, I flipped by Like Mike 2 the other day on TV, and it is so bad, with all due respect, because the first one I is didn't legend- even know they had a second one. <laughs> oh my God. The first one is a legendary movie, iconic movie. Oh yeah. The second one was just so disappointing this is also me getting away from my high school yeah well
0: i was just gonna say i haven't seen the entire tape put together but i know your game so let's not (laughs) you know let that get misconstrued i know your game and i know what you bring to the table um so yeah I, i think everybody will be excited for that let's let's move on here to the reddit question of the day
1: davis what do you got this one is special. This one is really, really special because I was flipping through Reddit the other day and came across a post on, Reddit, on Reddit's community that was addressed to you, which you know what this means? It means we're having an impact
2: we're on the Reddit,
1: which, is, which was the goal all along. Like, it feels like we're becoming part of the community, which how mm. great is that? Uh, so user HokoMojo posted Duncan. This is how he starts his post. Duncan comma. So he just addresses me. He's asking you. I suppose I he, he could be talking to another Duncan, but we have to assume that he's, he's asking you. Well, the beautiful thing is, is, is it's now made its way to me. 100%.
0: So Hoka Mojo, <laughs> your voice has been heard. Well, uh, what's his question?
1: He asks, and again, it, it begins Duncan. Are there any shooters arenas in the NBA? What's the hardest gym to shoot in and what's the easiest?
0: Hokumojo, oh, that's a, that's a good question. I will say the NBA is a little bit different than college in the sense that in college you don't really know what you're going to get cuz not everything is uniform. You know, different venues, different schools might have different deals with, you know, certain companies, so the backboards might be different or the rims might be different or the layout of the facility might be different. You know, there isn't a stanchion, but it comes down from the the ceiling like like a duke, you know, it's just different across the board. The NBA everything is pretty much the same. We're all working with the same rims. We're all working, you know, everything has a stanchion. The backdrops are different. So you could make an argument that some sh- some backdrops are, are more friendly for shooting than others. Some backdrops go deeper. Um, some are a little bit more tight. Like Minnesota has a tight backdrop relative to uh, a lot of these other places. I would say, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm somewhat partial and biased to Miami, but I'm most comfortable shooting in our home arena for a variety of reasons Um, mostly just because I have the most reps there and I've put in time there so I would say that is uh, is the best shooting arena but I've also heard that teams that come in really like shooting on those rims uh, in in American Airlines so I would say that that's up there for sure in terms of the worst I don't know if I could really can think of one off top I, I would probably just pick whatever place I have my, I have the worst numbers, um, which I can't really think of off the top of my head. I actually, I will say, I think that MSG's rims are a little bit tighter than normal. Uh, maybe it's probably completely made up and, and not real and has no legitimacy to it, but it's my
1: own experience and I'm sticking to it and calling it a fact. What about staples, uh, particularly the Lakers when they're playing there because they pump that fog.
0: Yes. Yeah, so is, that, that, is that weird? That's the only thing. So Staples and MSG both, they do funky things with lighting. So it's a little bit different in those two venues because they do different stuff with lighting. Like you said, they have the fog, uh, particularly in Staples. And actually, I think Brooklyn does that now too. I don't know if they kind of bigger – senior venue so maybe it's kind of you know they want to treat it like a stage um, a lot of other venues it doesn't really feel like that though so maybe that makes a difference I don't know I you know for example Staples I only play there twice a year when you know it's Lakers and Clippers so I'm not super familiar with it but it's definitely something that I've, I've kind of come to notice there yeah
1: makes sense um, all right you want to hit the long shot feature this week
0: yeah actually uh, we can uh, we can do this one together this will can kind of be a group effort The the long shot feature this week is an athlete, similar to the two of us. Um, You. You. It is Kaylee Scopel. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, Kaylee Scopel, the captain of the North Texas volleyball team. And I'm hearing that she is just a hit amongst her teammates, uh, fan favorite to many, and just people speak very highly about her leadership, selflessness, toughness. So back in 2019, they're on a road trip to the great state of Florida. And she starts to have these headaches, migraines, and it gets to the point, it gets pretty bad. She can't even walk on her own uh, volition. And she's admitted to the hospital, treated for the migraines and sent home. A couple days later, the symptoms come back and she's losing Motor function, eyes, hands, couldn't even tie her shoes. Is is what she told us, and she actually ends up being diagnosed with Guillain-Barré, which is an autoimmune disease. I believe, Davis, you're the yeah. uh, the health expert here. Do you want to dive into that one a little more?
1: Yeah. So Guillain-Barré, basically, your body starts fighting it it turns on your on yourself so your your immune system is being attacked uh your nervous system is is being attacked and so what it does is it hinders the ability basically for your brain's brain to send messages to the rest of your body it attacks your myelin sheath on your neurons which is how your brain sends messages to the rest of your body so like you said she's unable to open her hands she's unable to tie her so- shoes terrifying really a terrifying disease Uh, I watched some videos, uh, talking about her and her story and just want to quickly shout out her mom because her mom has a medical background. And so she actually explains the disease and it seems like there's no one better to be in her corner, uh, than her mom when she's going through this. But yeah, so she's, she's going through GBS Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, admitted back to the hospital, goes through a ton of treatment, rehab, literally has to relearn how to stand up, how to walk, how to tie her shoes, how to open her hands, uh, which is, you know, just imagine what, what that is like. It's it's impossible to imagine what that is like. But. I hear she's back on the court. Back on the court. And uh,
0: north the North Texas Mean Green, I believe. Yeah. Their season started last week. Yeah. A little later than, you know, scheduled programming. But, you know, COVID and everything going on, very understandable. But she's playing. And she's their setter. And she is the glue that that's keeping it
1: all together over there in North Texas. Think about how much hand eye coordination goes into setting. Yeah. Like this woman was teaching herself how to tie her shoes, retie her shoes last year.
0: That's incredible.
1: And now she's setting and playing college volleyball. That's just remarkable. I think it's a remarkable story.
0: No, it it absolutely is. Um, So shout out to Kaylee. Who is our, as we mentioned, our, our long shot feature this week? The perseverance to stick with it and not only get back to being able to function day in and day out, but to get back to competing at such a high level. Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out to Kaylee. I also want to just mix in there. Davis sounded very at home when he was describing you know, the neuro functions and all these different things. Davis has been waiting for me to plug to everybody. He wants everybody to know that he was, in fact, a neuroscience major in college. So you're going to see his abilities on the court. But what only surpasses those is his abilities in the classroom and um, that he is a, a neuroscience major. <laughs> was a neuroscience major i guess is i guess you are you've graduated with a neuroscience degree so uh i I said we weren't going to compliment each other but for some reason here i am just complimenting you um love it but yeah so that that's pretty much what we got for the the little front of show here we got a, a really great conversation coming up with uh both of our good friend george and yang which i think you guys will all enjoy
1: one word to describe combo with george
0: i'm gonna go two which is probably breaking the rules on that one. It, it is. But I'm going to say insightful and nostalgic. I think All there's right. a, there's there's shades of both. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this one. We certainly had a good time chopping it up with him. Here with uh, both of our, our good friends, uh, George Niang, who is a two-time... First Team All-Big 12, two-time NCAA All-American, 2016 Carl Malone Award winner, that's the best power forward in the country, folks, 2018 First Team All-NBA G League, current member of the red-hot Utah Jazz, who we also play this week, and of course, an Ames, Iowa legend.
1: Legend.
2: Welcome to the Long Shot Pod, George Niang. Wow. I mean... You guys know how uncomfortable that gets me, but you know what I mean, thank you. Uh, maybe you could mention of how many beers I used to drink at the local pub in Ames, Iowa, but maybe next time. Yeah, we could we could save that one uh, for another episode.
0: But no, we we do like to give all of our guests, uh, you know, a resounding intro. Um, but you know, you, those are all things that you accomplish, so you deserve to hear it read back
2: to you. You really do. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys having me on. I've heard nothing but great things about the Long Shot Podcast. No, I appreciate that.
0: Um, so so for the listeners, George and I actually grew up in the same area, uh, the Northeast. He was kind of North Shore, Boston, uh, the pride of Methuen Mass, if you will. Uh, and I, I had the privilege of watching him absolutely dominate high school basketball. Uh, AAU, prep school, didn't matter. Uh, then to go on and be criminally under recruited then I watched him dominate college basketball you know we we had a friendship so I closely followed his career and then once again you know hearing about how it was not translatable to the next level and my question to really just open this up for you George is how has this constant lack of notoriety shaped your habits first and foremost but ultimately
2: shaped your career uh that's a, that's a real good question, to be honest with you. Uh, usually, I just try to deflect and joke around about it, but I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is, I've always loved the game of basketball. I'm sure, you know, I mean, me and you think a lot alike, and you feel the same way, but the one thing I could never stomach was, like, just quitting. Like, someone could be like, hey, I got 500 shots up tonight. And in college, I'd be like, well, sh- shoot, like I can't stomach like knowing that that person like got better while I was like hanging out at the house. So I just no matter like what anybody said to me or what anybody said about me, whether if it was negative or positive, like I just never quit. Like it could be like, hey, you're not going to be good enough at the next level. You're not going to be fast enough. And I always took that um, just as motivation for me to work more and I think it goes for successful people in the world is you know half of the world can't even show up never mind show up and work hard so that's the two things that I just told myself that like if you just want to give yourself a chance like at the end of the day like at the end of my basketball career I just want to be able to sit back and know that like hey I I did what I love to do but I literally have no regrets like I put my all into it and it's funny that you know you mentioned like the turning point of that, but it honestly goes back to when we were growing up. Like we talked about it earlier on the phone where literally our days in the summer would Monday through Saturday would start at like 9 a.m. And we'd go work out um, even with little kids. Like it was like yeah. we were we were literally like 16, 17 years old and they were like nine and 10 year olds working out on the other end. And like it was Integrity Hoops. And we were there from like nine to like 11.30 and like whether it was working on ball handling, play on three-on-three, on three, no dribble. And then literally it'd be like 2 o'clock, then we'd go to Dover High School and the same thing would happen from 2 o'clock to like 4.30, we'd be working out. Then at night we'd have like a session at like from 8 to like 9.30 at Berwick Academy and it just was like – it never was work and whenever you tell people about it, they're like three times a day, like that's kind of crazy. But I know because we've had conversations about it, it's just like – We just loved to hoop. Like, there was nothing. We didn't want to play video games. We didn't want to go hang out at Hampton Beach. Like, we would just rather just hoop all day, smell, stink, like wear the same sweaty t-shirt for the first session, let it dry the second, and wear the third. Like, it was just something that we loved to do. And I just think through our journeys, like, we've never quit and we've never lost the love for the game no matter how ugly it gets.
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, there was always a yoga session mixed in there as well. Um, That's true. Disappointed that that you forgot that, um, but but you said it, and that paints such a funny picture because, like, looking back, right? You said it exactly. We were in the gym with middle schoolers, elementary school kids, doing the exact same drills, going through all the same things. If at that point you had told, like, a bystander two people in here are going to play in the NBA, it just would have been like the most laughable thing yeah. ever. But I, I I was always impressed because like I wasn't a heralded high school player, but at that point you were like, you were playing BABC, you had offers and you were still, I was just always impressed by the fact that you would humble yourself and understand that this was actually what was getting you better is doing these things because and it really all comes back to to Noah LaRoche, who ran Integrity Hoops and is now, uh, you know, yeah, shout my out to him, pin- yeah, to Noah La yeah, one of the, one of the, if not the best you know trainer um, in in basketball. But he was doing this stuff with not only us but but little kids as well, and we would go through it every day, like you said, it was just about the habits of continuing to show up.
2: Yeah, I think people get confused, like. When you think of when someone's like, how can I be an NBA player? Like, they think they have to go search out this like trainer from like San Francisco or LA. But the more that I think back on like our journeys, and it's not like we're like perennial like all stars, but I mean, like we have played meaningful minutes in NBA games. I think it's just like the more like consistent, simple days you have of just like stacking consistent days of work whether if it's a one dribble pull-up or just learning how to read a defense or playing three on three with like a two dribble limit like the more that you do that the more like you gain skill you gain confidence and then when it comes out to being in the game it's like i've done this for countless hours over and over and over again and people think there's like this magic trick or magic trainer And they're out here on the internet, like browsing Instagram, thinking, like, I need to find this special person. This will get but it's like, no, like, just like anything else, like it's hours and hours of hard work. And like I tell people this, like, successful people in the world have one thing over another person, and that's just grit. Like, I just refuse, I refuse to give up. And and I think that's the one thing where people get confused is they're like, well, everything has to go right. And yeah, like I tell people I wouldn't wanna do my journey over again because I know there's some luck that goes into it and I, like, wouldn't want to mess anything up. But uh, I think if you show up every day and stack consistent days, like, you're eventually going to get better. And from there on out, like, whatever is going to happen is meant to happen. I don't think there's any secret formula or philosophy that makes you an NBA player. But I do agree, if you told people uh, 10 years ago that we were going to be NBA players, they would have been like, these these two kids, that – that fat kid over there, and then that
1: that tall, lanky, skinny kid, I don't know. I, George, I'm I'm so glad you say that, because Duncan and I have, uh, this isn't an official slogan of the podcast, but we keep bringing up brick by brick, and yeah. uh, th- that's exactly what you're talking about, which I think is beautiful. I, I need to ask about those workouts, because like Duncan kind of alluded to, it was probably easier for him to imagine you at this level back then, but be honest did you ever think that Duncan had a chance to play in the NBA like even keep it a buck keep it real oh no I'll I'll keep
2: it real like I will keep it so real so Noah you know Noah's your biggest fan so Noah would always say stuff like Duncan can really shoot he he's gonna be an NBA player one day and you know me like my cocky attitude, I'm like man get the f- out of here like he's at Phillips Exeter like you know what I mean <laughs> because like you, you know you think you know what what like an nba player looks like but at that time like i didn't even know like what you know what i mean what i was yeah. looking for at that point point. and then uh you know he's he'd always like mention it in this and that and you know i was trying to trans- transition myself into like a shooter or like a dynamic big cuz you start growing out of like the being able to play down low and i'm like no like no way like i can shoot it better like this that and the other da 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 and then, what really turned my my head was was the year my my freshman year at Iowa State. He, he was you were you were at Phillips Exeter, yeah. and they were streaming yeah. Tilton, my old high school, against Phillips Exeter, and you beat us at Tilton. And that's when I was like, "Dang! Like he's only going to Williams. Like he like looks like someone like I could imagine myself at Iowa State, like passing the ball to right." So then I'm like, all right. And you know, you, you kind of like somewhat think of it and like, ah, maybe, ah. Uh. But you know, obviously I'm not spending my whole day thinking about Duncan Robinson. So it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like a couple of days here and there. And then, uh, you know, obviously I'm sure with this podcast, people know your accolades of what you did at Williams. And I remember reaching out to you when you said that you were transferring. And I was like, hey, like, what do you think about this? And I honest to God truth, if I could find the text, I texted coach Hoiberg and I'm like, Hey, like I grew up with this kid. He could really shoot it like 90, 50, 40, like your type of, you know, shooters like love hearing that. Like, so Fred Hoiberg was like, ah, he was like, you think he'll take a walk on spot? And I was like, coach, I was like, this ain't, this ain't one of those like type of friendly, like, Hey, Hey, come on, buddy. Like, come. and then I told him next time, I'm like, he just took a scholarship to Michigan. He's like, well, pal, sure. We'll find another one. (laughs) I, uh, I thought about Iowa State. Like you said, I don't
0: think you guys had any scholarships. Um, I appreciate the honesty. I will say at that point, there was just no way that anybody thought I would be an NBA player, let alone like a decent college player. So, uh, but like I said,
2: I mean, I, but you had your ups and downs in college. Like there were times of for were sure. Like,
0: absolutely. No, no, no. I, 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 uh, I mean, even when I was finishing up at, at Michigan, I mean, I think this is pretty well-documented at this point, but, like, I was the furthest thing from a surefire NBA player. Um, but that kind of actually ties into what I wanted to ask you about about your career in terms of the trajectory of getting from college to the NBA as, you know, you dominate college. Honestly, you're a two-time All-American, 2,000 points. Like we said earlier, <laughs> Ames, Iowa legend. Um and then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, you hear the same stuff you've been hearing the whole time. You're not athletic enough. You don't have a position. You know, what? where's he going to play? Who's he going to guard? All of the, like the cookie cutter responses that everybody says all the time. How, how is it that you then have like the self-awareness to realize I need to entirely reinvent my game? Because if you watch your highlights now of what you do night in and night out for the Jazz, it is a far nothing. cry from yeah, what you were doing man. at Iowa State. So how did how is that process in that like obviously you have to have maybe it's people in your corner or maybe it's just
2: you being real with yourself. I'm sure it's a combination of, of the two. Yeah. I think another thing um, is you got to be self-aware. Uh, you got to know your limitations or what you can and can't do, but you also have to learn. And the best thing for me, to be honest with you, like when I got drafted – because I think everybody sees their goals, right? You're like, hey, I want to be a college basketball player. Then you're a college basketball player. But then you're like, okay, I want to be an All-American and I want to, you know, you see those goals. I feel like when I was thinking about the NBA, it was like, I want to be an NBA player. It wasn't like, I want to be an NBA player and like play 15 minutes a night. It was like, I want to be an NBA player. So like during the draft process, you hear like, don't make draft night your highlight. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you get drafted, I'm like, I'm an NBA player. I made it. And that was like, the worst thing but best thing for me, right? So I am I get drafted 50th to the Pacers. I'm thinking like, hey, I'm an NBA player. Like, I don't know why I thought this, but I'm like, I'm eventually going to be given a chance to play. But like, as me and you know, like, it's not like that. Like, nobody wow. owes you anything. Nobody cares what you did in college. Nobody cares what you did before you got to the NBA. Like, now it's like, Davis, you were saying brick by brick. Now it's like time for you to start with no bricks and now see if you can build your house now. And it was, it was great. Like I enjoyed my experience in Indiana and then I was cut and that was the best thing that happened to me because that made me realize like, okay, your routines that you had in college that made you good, they stopped when you were in Indiana because all you saw was you were an NBA player and you thought, you thought that they were going to give you a chance. Now I realized like I had to go out there and like take it. So I went down to the G league and the, the best thing that I ever came up with was just a routine. Like, no matter if I was tired, sick, not feeling well, feeling good, there was, like, a routine that I did every day. I lifted before practice, I shot before practice, and then got treatment after practice. It was, like, a four hours of, like, of my right. day. But, you know, when you're professional, you just – you have that much time in your day. It's, like, to take care of your body. So once I started figuring that out, like, every day, like, or week or month, like, I just – Felt like I was like constantly feeling a lot better, feeling more in shape, feeling like I was making shots. And it just came down to just having a routine one day at a time. Like, I feel like me and you have had this conversation where it's just like, hey, I'm just trying to stack good days on top of good days. And next thing you know, I have a good month or a good year. Right. And, uh, but yeah, the best thing that happened to me was, was getting cut because it made me realize like, there's no handouts, right? It's just yeah. more or less like, all right, who's going to show up and who's going to take this opportunity? Because there's 400 other guys that are waiting outside to get the same opportunity. No, that's
0: that's real. Um, I I totally hear you in terms of like once you get to to this level, everything just changes. Like you're starting yeah. back from from ground zero. When you're in college, right? Because I truthfully, like I had a lot of those same things of you know if I if I check this box and if I'm all league and you know this guy who was all league got drafted here and if i do this and i take yeah. care of business there like all these things will start to align and my career just didn't happen that way at all but for you it did happen like you're an all-american you're the best player on one of the best teams in the country is there this helpless feeling at that point and, and you were on draft boards but you're looking at mid second round you know maybe yeah, like, late second, second round, round. Who, right who knows so is there this helpless feeling at that point of like man like w- what do i have to do like i i've i've done everything there is to do in college i've won at the highest level i've had production at the highest level
2: like is there that helpless feeling of like w- what do i got to do uh no i don't think i let myself get to that point cuz then i think i'd be more on the verge of like giving up than i would right. be moving forward so part of my french it was more like i'm gonna go show these motherfuckers like why i need to be ahead of the the next person uh just because that's just how i've i feel like that's just how we've had to grow up like you know what i mean like it whether if it was at like south playground in portsmouth and we're playing in the was it power light like gaslight summer league yeah where you're playing against grown men who are looking at you like You know, and you have to, at some point you have to be like, "Nah, like enough is enough. Like I'm not, I'm done getting punked and I'm going to go score on you. So I just feel like it's not like we grew up a little rougher than anybody else. Like we, we've both had great childhoods. You know what I mean? Like a lot of amazing things happen. But at the end of the day, like I never wanted to look back on my career and say like, what, this wasn't enough. I wanted to be like, okay, what more do you need to see? Like, do you want me to play this person one-on-one? Do you want me to play this? What do you want me to do? And I think after a while it it gets tiring, but it's sorta of like I, I read a book called The Obstacle Is the Way and it's it's more or less like that's part of my journey. That's the George Niang journey. My journey isn't, you know, uh, I don't I don't wanna be specific, but like a Markel Foltz or like someone else you know what I mean, the number yeah. one picket. That wasn't my journey. My journey was I'm gonna to have to keep on proving people that yes, I'm the right answer and if you wanna see it again, I'll do it again
1: i want to get back george to you changing your game for the nba you talked about being self-aware and how a lot of that comes from being self-aware was it was it all that or is it also there are people now in the jazz organization saying hey if you want to get on the court here's what we need from you here's what we need from you is it a combination of both at that point yeah um I would say it's a combination of both. I mean,
2: I think at Iowa State, I could dribble wherever I wanted to dribble. I could shoot whatever shot. I could shoot wherever I wanted to. Um, and then the NBA, you realize there's like roles, right? Like there's three and D. There's guys who rebound. There's guys who defend. There's guys who protect the rim. There's point guards. Um, and then there's just like specialists, like shooters. Like, And I think you when you first get there, and Duncan, correct me if I'm wrong. You kind of have to figure out, all right, what what can I do at an NBA level? One thing, like, because it's like people are like, oh, let me get in my bag. It's like, make sure your bag has two suits, like two <laughs> things that you can do, like right, I like, like that. Either like you know, you don't need 17 outfits. You just need one or, or two. You know what I mean? And like shooting will get you on the court, and keeping being a neutral defender or or being able to handle the ball and be another playmaker, like. Those things are like kind of what have gotten me on the court. But it really started even simpler than that. Like We played a big lineup. It was Derek Favors and Rudy, and they started. And they needed someone to play like four minutes each half and be able to make corner threes. So literally, my coach, Alex Jensen, sat me down. And he said, hey, there's been a lot of guys at your position that come, and they go. Do you want to know why they go? And I'm like, yeah, Like, why, why do they go? He was like, you see that shot in the corner? they don't make that and they like their guy score on them on the other end he was like so if you can make that and not let your guy score like every time down he was like you'll play and he was like let me tell you when you get in the game like you know you don't get like a couple up and backs to make a shot like probably the first time you check in they're not going to know who you are and they're going to help on Rudy and Donovan and you're going to have a wide open three I hope you make it (laughs) and then like The rest was up to me. He was like, this is he's like, this is your window. Are you gonna take advantage of it? Are you just gonna let it pass you? Like just stuff like that, like motivating stuff. And it was like it started simple. I made I made a couple corner threes. My coach decided to start trusting me. And then next thing you know, you do one small thing that lets you get more minutes, more opportunity, and then you're allowed to blossom. But people think they're just gonna come in and do like 10 dribbles step back and that's gonna create an opportunity. It's like I literally made corner threes for like 10 games maybe like one or two or sometimes zero, but I shot them enough. And my coach is like, all right, this is a guy that I want in there. And next thing it turns into a rotation spot.
0: Yeah, I I love the simplicity of that because you're you're he's spot on and you're spot on and that like it's pretty obvious when you watch an NBA game today. There's like two, maybe three people that are like actually getting the ball on each team and like getting to catch a feel and like get into rhythm and have the ball and, you know, play through that, you know, that type of, of game. And like you say, get it, get in your bag. And the majority of, of everyone else is how can you work around those players? And that's one thing just watching your career that I've loved to see is like you've taken that. That opportunity, like you said, the four minutes a half, something as simple as that, and you've parlayed it into something more. Cause that's when like you can't showcase that you're capable of more if you're not getting on the floor. So the first thing you have yeah. to do is be on the floor in order to parlay it into more. Um, and and now, like, you know, you had bright spots in the playoffs last year. You've, you know, shown your versatility as a defender, and everyone knows that you're capable of of doing more. Everyone that at least has followed your career has seen what you can do with, like, the ball in your hands and do different things. But right now, that's what the Utah Jazz needs you to do. And that's what being a professional is, is showing up and doing your job and what's asked of you.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think Alex Caruso hit it on the head. I, I read a quote. He was like, dudes are coming in to an interview thinking they're interviewing for the CFO, but it's really for the janitor spot. And I was like, that's spot on. Like, it doesn't get any realer than that. But the problem is, is society has everybody fooled that, like, yeah the NBA probably highlights um LeBron James uh you know what I mean Anthony Davis Donovan Mitchell devin Booker but they also didn't highlight when PJ Tucker was scoring zero points but guarding the other team's best player and having ten rebounds like yeah that's that's the thing where it's like little stuff like that goes unnoticed and it's like hey yeah the the guys who score all the points get a lot of money but so don't the guys that just play defense and rebound. They're, they're doing all right, too. They're doing all yeah, right, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, and obviously you have
0: G League experience as well. Uh, we we shouted out your uh, all-G League first team, uh, which was a- yeah, uh, yeah. Big <laughs> bonus, big bonus. Big time stuff. Um, and, and I think that's exactly, you know, I obviously spend time in the G League, and it's such an interesting, it should be like a, a psychological experiment of like- People get mixed up and confused of what, is, what translates or like what NBA teams I think are looking for. And, and that's not to say that I, I have everything figured out and that I know, but like w- one thing I do know is that pretty much every NBA, t- NBA team isn't looking for a guy to come in and take 15 to 20 shots a night. That's just not how it works. So, how for you, you talked about developing your routine there. And that, that was the foundation for that and, and starting to grow uh, in terms of that. But like, how else did your G League experience help prepare you for the day-to-day and the role that you have now?
2: Um, it was huge um, just to be mentally prepared. So I, it, it let me play through my mistakes, more or less. Because the, the NBA game is totally different than the, the college game. So it let me get a feel for what works, what doesn't work. I mean, as me and you know, like the biggest mistake, like helping strong side corner. So the people who don't know, that's like when the ball's being driven at you and you're in the same corner where it's being driven at and you help trying to stop the ball in the corner is the closest shot that's worth more points right. than anywhere else on the floor. And that's when you're like, where in an NBA game. It'd be like, well, I can't afford to have him out there. And the G League, it was like, I was one of the best guys out there. So I was like, hey, don't do that. So I was me like learning the game and learning what works and knowing when I, when, and I can over dribble. And when I can't over dribble, you know, if I had a smaller guy where I could get my shots from. Um, but once I, uh, I started with the golden state, uh, Santa Cruz warriors, golden States G league affiliate. And then I signed a two, the new two way contract with, uh, the Utah jazz and, uh, the biggest thing is when like Dennis Lindsay called me in our the the president of basketball operations, he was like, guys that make, make shots and and know how to play usually stick here. Good luck. And yeah. you know, from there on out I was working on making threes and making floaters when people tried to chase me off the line. And uh, just my whole G League experience, as you know, Duncan, like it, it's humbling, right? You go from Michigan or Iowa State where you're chartering every flight to now you're up at six a.m flying c74 on a southwest flight and you're thinking to yourself like i was thinking to myself like damn i was in indiana like am i ever going to get out of here like i there once i get out of here like i'm never going back and that like adds like another element of motivation but you see guys fizzle out because there's politics to everything right and you kind of just have to put your head down and Think about like, hey, I'm controlling what I can control. I'm showing up. I'm working hard and treating people the right way, and and that should be good enough at the end of the day. And if it isn't, just know that you put your best into it.
0: Yeah, quick tangent off of that. I think also people really underestimate how important that stuff is. All the non-basketball stuff, especially for guys. Honestly, like us, you know, it's one thing to put up with that type of stuff from you know the max players or the the all stars, but the last thing an organization wants to do is put up with it, you know, from, from the, the minimum, four, yeah, man, yeah. from those guys. Um, so I, I think, yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, incredibly important. You talk a lot about how specific your role is right now, and, and I, that's something that I, I can certainly relate to. How do you avoid putting yourself in a box of like? for example in the off season obviously this off season was unique and that it was so short but how do you avoid still working on other areas of your game and still improving and obviously doing those things really well because you know that that's what's getting you on the floor but still developing cuz you know I I'm a firm believer that I'm not like far from I'm far from a finished product in terms of like my best version has not yeah. been achieved and I know you feel the same way about yourself so how do you avoid that of like you don't want to just work on corner threes and floaters. Like you still want to showcase and have ultimately have a role in the NBA that is more than that because you're a competitive person. How do you walk that
2: line? Uh, it's tough. And if, if we're being real, I'd probably give a recommendation that you probably work out somewhere other than where your team is at. I mean, it's safe to say, I mean, but I think you get that by just playing. And I'm, I i do not mean like playing with like at the YMCA, but like real, like, competitive pickup whether it's with college guys and different things like that and, and you see like okay like this is what i do in my jo- daily job like i shoot corner threes and try and make floaters or drive to the rim and, and and kick out but then again you're like okay what three things have i been what positions have i been put in when i've been in an nba game where i'm like ah like i don't feel comfortable Yeah, those are the try to like two or three things and I don't try to do like six or seven like two or three is even a lot like this offseason. Give me me one.
0: Yeah, give me one or two. Yeah, this
2: offseason. It was more or less like shooting off the dribble because I knew like you can only be catch and shoot for like so long. So like you do a good job of it. It's like you come off a handoff and you throw the ball out and then like run into it. And like that's a simple way of shooting off the dribble, but creating space. So that's one thing that I tried to learn because literally I'd pump fake and take a dribble and move over two inches and the guy's hand is like here instead of here. And it's like I I I think people get misconstrued. It's like you like like I talked about getting in your bag. Like there's there's a I buy I feel like you on not being a finished product, but there's a limit to like what you possibly can be, right? Like yeah. you're never gonna be dunking over like seven footers, but there are things that what you do that you can expand that like take a little bit of effort every single day that will make you this much better. Um, so I try to find those little things. I don't know if that' really answers your question specifically, but I'm not working on my between between cross, step back. no I don't think those things will get me better. but I do I, this summer I tried to work on being being better posting up. so like if you know teams are switching one through five, that if I do get the ball late in the shot clock, I can, make a play and shooting off the dribble. Those are two things. Like I don't think people need four to six or anything like that. I think that that perfectly ties into
0: like a lot of your messaging early on, which is just like the incremental improvements, like the day to day, like just continuing to build stack. And, you know, if you continue to work on these things over time, they'll start to like seamlessly be added to your game. Um, so I, I, I definitely hear you on that. And I, and I'm similar in my approach in that I think it's important to be like super specific going into an off season of like, this is what I want to walk away with. This is what, you know, this is where I am. And also, like you said, having the self-awareness or like people in your corner, that are going to be real with you. I think that's another just general issue in, in Uh. professional sports in general, but maybe particularly the NBA is like people just get the wrong ideas or have like, maybe like arguably even detrimental ideas that are like being fed into their their ears and it just goes down to ultimately ends up being a, a bad thing for everybody involved. Um I want to ask a little bit about the jazz this year in that obviously you guys have it rolling right now. Um I think as of the time we're recording this you guys are the best record in the NBA. Uh and it just seems Say like Say it again. Say it again <laughs> it just seems like you guys are firing on all cylinders there's haven't been i mean you guys got derek back favors um there hasn't been any crazy you know roster moves or anything like that it's pretty much the same team that you guys had last year um not the same team that we saw in the the bubble because you have you know bogdan back but what have you noticed this year uh in comparison to last what's changing what's different and how
2: what has ultimately been you know effective for you guys um you know, obviously when you lose like a 3-1 lead and you bring back the same team, you're obviously going to have like that sour feeling. Um, obviously, we felt like we had Denver beat, right? And clearly we thought we had them beat because they came out and then they they beat us. And I think when you have like a whole off season to marinate on that and think about it, and then you think about, you know, what can we do better? Uh, how can we improve? And I think it started off with Coach. I mean... I think we played a preseason game against the Suns, right? And we won. They didn't really they didn't play anybody. I think Jay Crowder sat out. And we weren't really defending and he came in the next day just going in on us like you guys don't care, you know, this that and the other. You know, I'm I'm probably like putting the PG version of this, right. but he was like I know what not running back in transition gets us. I know what not defensive rebounding. I know what not picking up the ball at the right spot over half court gets us. It gets us out in the first round. And I think all of us, like, I hate talking about people's money, but a lot of the guys that we brought back got taken. I mean, you get taken care of. I mean, you play to win games, but you also play to support your family. And a lot of the guys that are here are taken care of. So, all right, guys, like, what are we going to sacrifice? Like, me and Joe Ingles talk all the time and he was like all of us are taken care of like none of us need to score 20 points or do something spectacular every night like we have all the pieces now it's like who's going to sacrifice whether coming off the bench or passing up a good shot to get a great shot or you know being that guy that chases around lou williams the whole night or you know duncan robinson you know i mean joe has been known to be that guy when we play (laughs) you guys you know i mean like hey i won't play a ton of pick and roll because i'm going to be exhausted But Duncan Robinson's not getting more than you know four threes off, and it's just a sacrifice that I think all of us have have put in and realized that you know we're all taken care of, right? We all have a handsome check at the end of each month. Now, like we talk about winning, like you know everybody talks about, like yeah, let's get after it, like let's win, let's now like let's let's really do it because we just were talking about it the last couple of years and look where that got us. You know, so I think it finally, like enough is enough. And I think we're rolling. I mean, it's early, like injuries happen, COVID happens. So you kind of just want to, like you said, Davis, d- brick by brick. I'm just trying to take it one game at a time. Like I didn't even know we were playing you guys, but now that I know, but I know we have Boston tomorrow night and I'd rather focus on that than looking too far ahead. Cause then I end up tripping over Boston, Milwaukee, Philly.
1: And then it's like, who knows what happens after that? I'm curious. So you obviously don't have a Saturday against Duncan Robinson circled on your on your calendar or on your schedule. <laughs> um, but I am curious because you guys are good friends and you have other guys in the league that you're good friends with. Like when you play Denver and you're playing Monte, like, what is that like? Is it I I I remember seeing a post-game interview with D'Lo when they were playing the Sixers a couple years ago, and some reporter asked, like, I think Ben Simmons had a good game, and he was like, are you happy to see Ben playing well? He's like, no, it's the playoffs. Like, I'm trying to win. But in the regular season, is it different? Like, say, say you play Miami Saturday, and George goes for 25, Duncan. Like, is there any part of you at all that's like, you know what, good for George, or is it strictly – Man, f that! Like, we're it depends to, who wins. Like, it if they depends won, who it wins. I'm sure Entirely. he'd be like, "Hell yeah, man!
2: Way to hoop!" It, 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 it basically goes like down. Goes down to like if 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 you can see your friend be successful, but you can come out on the mountaintop, <laughs> then like everything's cool. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the easiest answer of all time.
0: It, is if we win, all's good. I I hope George balls out. If we lose. <laughs> And George has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate George. I mean, that's like the worst thing in the world. We just lost. Makes um, sense. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I I always think it's interesting of like, when I hear people talk about guys that I know in like pregame scouting report stuff you know like i i feel like i know george's game really well like i've i've watched it literally his entire life so it's funny for me to hear our staff's interpretation of what george is as a basketball player that's my favorite thing because like and, I, and just to see where it like aligns and how it's different
2: yeah that that is true and it's like you almost want to t- you want to tell your friend about what your team thinks of the other person yep but then it's it's like you only want to tell them the good things, and the other person's like, "Well, what they say that like I can't do," and you're like, "Nah, nothing. They didn't. They didn't say anything. Like, but you can't dribble left." Yeah, exactly. You just throw. You just throw at the
0: Nuggets. Um, oh. All right, G. We're about to to wind it down here. We have. I have one more question for you, and then we have our undrafted segment, um, which I'm sure you've heard about by now because it's just making its rounds on national media um but my final question is something that we ask all of our guests and i'm curious that if you had to uh, if you had to pick a specific moment or experience that had the greatest impact on your career so whether it be you know, like you said, getting waved or a conversation that you had back in high school or a realization that you had, you know, playing AAU for BABC, whatever it is that served as a springboard or something that really was a catalyst that ultimately led to your success and then it shaped a perspective um, or just really helped keep things in perspective. Is there something, is there a specific moment that stands out?
2: Uh, I mean, I think there's moments for every part of your journey, right? I'll just focus on you know the NBA one because I feel like that's probably more prevalent than. Uh... No, no, no. You. How about this? Do two. Give us a throwback and then give us an NBA one. Okay, let's um, put you on the spot, but the people want to know. Yeah, man, Duncan. <laughs> I guess it's your podcast. Um, I would have to say one would be when I broke my foot in college, and uh, Noah LaRoche, the trainer that I work out with, um, when I was in the off season. You know, after I had done my rehab and was ready to start getting back on the court, uh, was like, why do you think that you broke your foot? And if anybody who knows, Noah knows, he's asking these questions because he already knows what his answer is, but he wants yeah. to know what you think. So I was like, ah, oh, freak accident. Like, uh, like I stepped on someone's foot. He was like, he pointed to him and he's like, look at yourself. And I weighed like 260. He was like, your body could not physically handle everything that was going on here. And I'm like, what? Like I stepped on some he was like, no, like your feet like couldn't handle how much was going on, like up here. And I was and that like hit me where it made me realize like if you want to really be a player, like not that you have to look it, but you have to be in shape to handle the grind of being able to work hard and playing all the time and different things like that. So that's what kind of you know, I lost like twenty pounds uh or like thirty pounds going into the season and I had some of the best I was a, that's when I was a two time All American my junior and senior year. Um, I got
0: a quick tangent off of that, and then I want, I want to hear the second one. Um, and this just is, shows, it, it helps paint the picture of how much work, in particular, you put into your body that a, he'll remi- remain anonymous, but a college scout, I guess you could say, from our area at one point had the audacity to put in print that you were not in shape enough to ever even play 20 minutes in a college game. At one point in your career somebody wrote yeah. that about you that you that you would
2: never be able to play 20 minutes in a college game. That is facts. That and that was just adding fuel to the fire, but uh not. I mean those are part of the things though that you have to accept and like we talked about awareness with Davis is like all right, am I going to be like mad that that person said that or am I going to change you know things so that people know that like no, you said that I couldn't do it, now I can do it. Now, what else do you think that I can't do? Um, yeah, I know that person's name is uh, in, ingrained in my head. I, I write their name above my mirror every morning so that <laughs> you know I can wake up and go prove them wrong. But uh, no, the second one would have to be, it was my first year here. Um, I think we played Golden State the second night when they, uh, second day of the season. It was our second game. We had lost in Sacramento, I think the night before. Um, And then we played Golden State and it was like my first time like actually getting like real rotation minutes. Like Tabo Cephalosha had been, was out with an injury and uh, coach had put me in and uh, my first shot like was from the corner in front of the bench and it like, someone came out and closed out like super hard and I shot it and it like, you know when like the corner like hits the top side of the backboard and DeMarcus Cousins got up because he was on the worst. He was like, Man, hell no. Don't you ever shoot no shit like that again. Ever. Ever. So I'm like, damn, man. Like, my first time getting in, like, coach believed in me. First quarter put me in, like, and I miss. And not only miss, but I hit, like, the side of the backboard. Then Draymond Green's like, I got him. So, you know, he can, like, help in the lane and yeah. like everything that's <laughs> going on. So Ricky Rubio drives in there. Draymond Green cuts him off. He swings to me at the top of the key or, like, on the wing kind of and Draymond Green like looks at me and like waves his hand as I'm about to shoot it and I hit it and I just remember thinking in my head like just do what you've done like yes sir all the time just follow through hold your follow through and I made it and I looked back and DeMarcus Cousins was like (laughs) and and I ended up hitting like a couple more shots that game and like we ended up losing on like a late game tip-in but the thing that like gave me like the confidence to know like hey like you belong and like you can do this was like Quinn Snyder, he's like, he's one of the best dudes and and best coaches around. And he texts me after the game. He's like, I know we lost, but like I'm so proud of you. Like, Man. you know, you belong out there. And like the way you handled yourself, I just threw you in there, and you just kept on chugging and kept on going, and you made winning plays. And that's why I'm I'm excited to grow and coach you. And that was like Man. the moment where like. This journey is tough enough in the NBA, but the fact that you can have someone there to like be in your corner and they make actually make like really big decisions, it was like huge for my confidence. And then from there on out, it was like once you have this swagger and confidence about you, I mean the sky's the limit.
0: I love that, man. That's that's awesome. Um yeah, that that's great stuff. All right. The uh the last segment we got is an undrafted segment. So basically, we're going to give you three different topics, three different categories. I want you to pick the most underrated, you know, the undervalued, the underappreciated, the diamond in the rough of each one. We try to tailor our topics to our guest a little bit. Um, so with that being said, this is dangerous. With that being dangerous. said, our first one. Is your undrafted, your underappreciated, your overlooked cheat meal. So you're I know you keep it tight with your diet, but everyone has a cheap cheat day, a cheat meal, whatever it may be. What is your undrafted cheat meal? Mm. So it would it, be dinner,
2: right? It could be you whatever know. you want it to be.
0: It could be whatever you want. It could be well, dessert. I'm just, it could uh, be
2: deserved. Oh, I mean if it's a cheat meal, uh dinner and dessert are going into one. Like, okay no, <laughs> yeah, give us the like, comprehensive answer.
0: I want everything. Don't spare any any details.
2: Uh so usually I'll wait for like a cheat meal either when we play in like Houston or LA because those places usually have the best restaurants, but due to COVID, you know, that's been like a struggle. Um I can't believe I'm telling you guys this. But there's Chicago deep dish pizza, which I really like. I feel like it's super like underrated. People are like, "Oh, like you get deep dish, like that's like too much." Yeah. I literally sometimes I I have it like Lou Malnati's like delivered in like a f- <laughs> a cooler, and it'll be like one, but it'll be like one small one, but it's deep dish. You toss it in the oven, twenty minutes, bang, and you you have it there. Cheese, deep dish. You know what I mean? Pepperoni, whatever you want, but uh my, my uh, undrafted, undervalued dessert has to be the butter cake from Mastro's. Mm. Well, I've never had a dessert better.
0: I've heard, uh, that's like a legendary cake, That the, the butter cake from Mastro's. I, I hear Andrea. about it all the time. I've never had it, but I hear about it all the time.
2: Yeah, well, down in Miami, they keep it a, a, you guys on a strict diet down there too. I, that's I true. tried to get you over your your body fat by sending you to Chip Cookie when we were that's right here in Utah last time.
0: Um, all right, Dave's gonna take the second one.
1: Yeah, next one. You've already hit us uh, in this conversation with a, if you're gonna have a bag, make sure it's got two suits, which is an elite quote but my next our next category for you is a quote just give us give us one that you know we don't want we don't want something cheesy classic but do you have like a uh, uh, uh. give us a give us a good one it's been uh i'll give you two right uh mm. one is from Mor-
2: morgan wooten and it was uh it's been in since my sixth grade basketball coach you know had it printed on like a t-shirt that i wore till i was like in high school that was probably a triple xl um but it was just there's there's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. And I think mm. that it just made me realize nobody's ever gonna be elevated up to success. Like if you want something bad enough, it's gonna take hard work of climbing to the sixtieth floor. Like it would be, you know, running stairs or there's no elevator that you can just take that's like, hey, I want to be a doctor. And two days later, uh, you're a doctor. And uh, the next one is from the late uh, great. Alex Oriaki the Yukon Husky two-time national champion we were at Tilton and uh we'd wake up before class and shoot and he said something like you know to live like no one else you gotta live like no one else and I, <laughs> I think like that and I, I it, it's true like w- Tom Brady won a Super Bowl yesterday and he said the quote like I'm willing to give up my life I hope you are too through. like how mentally how could you lose like knowing that you put your whole life into it and that person you know has more than one cheat meal a week um you know i i don't know those are two quotes that i kind of live not live by but you know they keep me motivated and at a surface level cuz you know with this uh this journey you know there are peaks and valleys and you kind of got to stay on the sh- straight and narrow and not get too high and not get too low and just remember that You know, just continue to work hard and good things. I mean, this has happened for us. Who would have thought 12 years ago we'd be on a podcast, you in Miami? I would never imagine you in Miami. You're like the most, like, (laughs) simple guy in uh, me in Utah.
1: I was really hoping we were going to get through this conversation without a mention of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but we did. So, Davis is a Chiefs fan, so. Oh, I know. KC Native over there, right? Yeah, let's just keep it moving. Dunk, you got the last one?
0: Yeah. The, uh, the last one, George is a overlooked underappreciated book. So just a book recommendation for the people.
2: Uh, you know, I've, I read this book, uh, a while ago, but the energy bus by John Gordon, um, that's just, it was probably one of the first books that I got into, like actually like motivational reading. Like I've read the power of moments. Like I mentioned earlier, the obstacle is the way, but the energy bus is so true because I'm such an emotional person. As Dunk knows, like, there'd be sometimes I'd miss a shot and punt a ball into a middle school light. And next thing you know, we're paying for the repairs on the light in a small town middle school in New Hampshire. And then they're like, George, like, come, seriously, like, you can't be acting like this. Um, and it just made me realize, like, wherever like your energy is at, is how your life is going to pan out. if you're going to be a negative person and always be down in the dumps then your life you're always going to find a way to look at life negative negative. and if you're a positive person you know stuff could be horribly bad but then you'll look at it like well it could be worse and i'd rather be that than live dark and gloomy and be negative so the energy bus and john gordon does a a great job of of um Peyton, a good motivational picture with all of his books the energy bus just happened to be one that i first started to read when i was getting into reading and motivational books so that, that's a undervalued undrafted book that should have went top 10 that's uh right. that's great stuff man
0: and, and anybody that knows you uh truly knows that you live by that so uh we've we've all been uplifted thanks to the the 50 minutes or whatever it's been uh that you've been gracious enough to join us so uh so george thank you man for coming on um i'm sure people will will love this we certainly had a great time with it but yeah thanks for taking the time man
2: no thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it